Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. I think Urban Meyer recognizes what a tremendous opportunity Jacksonville would be. The Jaguars have the number one overall pick in the draft. They have 11 picks in the draft. They have over $100 million in salary cap space in what is expected to be a depressed market for free agents because the salary cap is going to go down. So Jacksonville is set up to succeed. And if Urban Meyer ever were going to take the jump, this would be the time to do it. But again, we want to say it has been difficult to pin him down, difficult for him to make up his mind finally, and it's still not done. Still not done, but you know what? We're going to act like it's done. Just like Trevor Lawrence isn't officially the the pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars, but damn it, I'm going to act like Trevor Lawrence is going to be the pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars because I like to speak things into existence. Kuz, how many primetime games are you talking this year with Urban Meyer? Let's be honest. I mean, Urban Meyer gives you that primetime television bump. He does, and obviously Trevor Lawrence, say no more, fam. What's the over-under right now? Where I was just about to ask I'm you that. I'm saying 114, 2021 right now. We're in January. Uh, there's a lot of days left before the season starts officially again. We still have to end this current season. But if you want to go right now, the Ooh. over and under, how many primetime games for the Jacksonville Jaguars? What are you going with? I, wanna, I want to look up Jags history and whichever year had the most primetime. Yeah. And I would put that at the over-under. Like, would you have more than that or less than that? Okay. Okay. Because... I I don't I still don't think they're nationally yeah with Urban and Trevor I don't think the first year they're going to expect too too much sure you want my honest opinion right now where I sit and this is going to change definitely by the next time I have this conversation with you <laughs> yeah who's right for this one okay three games oh three I mean if we had some kind of music right now or something hey Kuz, I'm going three games three prime time now yeah. Now, thank you very much. Now, these could be these could be Thursday nighters. All right, maybe a but Monday you know night football be the game. Titans. Well, yeah, it's gonna be back-to-back Titans games, exactly. But I'm, I'm thinking three. But more likely, it'll probably be two, if not one. You know, I mean, that's what that's what we're doing right now. Brent, just the right of time to come back in the conversation right now. We're, we're making our first wager of the new season of the show here. Over under. Number of Jaguars games in primetime television with the Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer bump? Uh, two and a half. Two and a half. Okay, see? So are you going over or under? Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to go... I'm going to go under and put it at two. I don't want to get carried away. See, I'm get getting carried, carried away. away, Brent. I got three. Now, listen. I got three. The NFL does get carried away sometimes. Yes. Um, And because you could... Like, the Bucks are different to me, but they did with Brady get, what, like four or five different ones? Mm-hmm. But the Cleveland Browns are the interesting one, right? Weren't they on, like, primetime, like, five different times? Johnny Manziel got his team, like, five primetime games, it seemed like, when he was a rookie. For, for no reason. I mean, I get the hype and everything, but it's not like that team was talented. Well, but here's the thing. Uh, what's what's interesting is not only the Jaguars, Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence, it's but who they play and the storylines that might follow. That's the Jets, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what if they do pick Justin Fields? You get one versus two, right? It's Cincinnati. I think they play again next year. It's on their schedule. Yeah, I have that right. So that's Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence, the last two number one picks. So if you just take that uh, and you match Trevor Lawrence, yeah, I think this is more Trevor Lawrence than it is Urban Meyer. Mm. But 
I do think the you know the marriage of the two certainly puts them on, in another stratosphere in terms of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I I think we might finally get one of these like Sunday Monday games. And so I'm not talking two Thursday nighters. I'm thinking Sunday Monday type of game. And why wouldn't you do that if you're the NFL? Like this makes sense. The, Trevor Lawrence jerseys are going to sell next year. That's going to be a big deal. And you know, the Jags do play the Jets, obviously. They play the Patriots. Uh, the Tua stuff, I'm not so sure about. That will carry weight with the Dolphins. The, the Bills and Josh Allen, you know, that's another good quarterback on the schedule. They're coming off a really nice season, uh, a little rematch of 2017. I don't know if I see that. I really see the Jets as a potential game with the reset in New York, the reset here, the fact that the Jets lost the first pick and Trevor Lawrence going to play either Sam Darnold or uh, uh, Justin Fields and – I think the Burrow one really carries some weight, too. So I, I think, too, I'm not going to get carried away with it. Uh, you know me. It's not as big a deal for me, uh, but I, I know would the fans ha- love that. <laughs> would you have some fun for once? I like, am. It's supposed to be a big day, uh, primetime game. Like you just said, you said the S word. You said Sunday night football, man. We're talking about Sunday night football possibly for the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's, That's NBC, exciting. Man. That's NBC. I okay, don't care I don't about care. That. I don't care, I care about, about Carrie Underwood. Hey, I, hey. I care about Carrie Underwood Listen. singing the song saying, In Duval on a Sunday night. Like, I care Trevor about Lawrence. all that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wait, oh, no, here's, whose blonde hair is going to look better? <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, my other question, Brent, you, you mentioned it, though, is where do you think Trevor Lawrence will land in, in jersey sales at, by the end of next year? Because I know it wasn't Tua like, one of the top ones this year. Uh. Yeah, it's a good call. I was looking at that. I think Brady was big um, once again this year because of the change to Tampa. Uh, who else was was really? I think Lamar Jackson big again. Uh, Patrick Mahomes big again. Yeah. I I was thinking of that and trying to do that from like a really neutral setting. I think Trevor Lawrence will be big, but I don't know if he'll be that kind of big immediately. I think he's gonna have to show us something, you know. And and I don't say this in a bad way, but in a sense, isn't he a <laughs> it's gonna sound bad. He he's he's a sense boring in in terms of the national landscape. Like how much are they going to talk about him? See, Lamar Jackson is like electric, right? Uh, and there, there's polarizing like whether he's really good or not. Mahomes is unbelievable right now. But even like Minshew had like this flair about him that you know if you sold the 15 jersey, people would buy it even if they're not fans of the Jacks. I just don't know if people look at Lawrence that way. In fact, I think that's some of the reason it cost him the Heisman Trophy. I, I don't think people talked about Lawrence all fall as much as I thought they would. And so it's almost like old hat for, for him. He, he's not going to mess up. He's go, You know what to expect, and he's going to deliver it. So could he do something that kind of gets him everybody talking outside of winning and throwing touchdowns? I don't know if he's that guy. You know what I mean? I mean, I just don't understand why you got to bring such bad vibes to the show right now. I, I'm trying to we're, – we're talking about Sunday night football games and Carrie Underwood, and now you're trying to tell me that Trevor Lawrence is boring and that he's not going to get good jersey sales. In like, a good way. In a good way. Yeah, and it, I mean, listen, like I think Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson were kind of boring, too, to start things off with. But then all of a sudden they start playing well on the field, and, and then their personalities come out a little bit. Russell sell a lot of jerseys? That I have no idea. See, that's what I'm not sure of. See, that's okay. a good comp, yeah. right? It's kind of he's up in Seattle, we're down in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. and and they're good. They're very good, but like you're not like people think. Hey, Russell Wilson's a really good guy, really good player. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a lot that like 
people are talking about every night other than when he's on a primetime game, people are like, oh my gosh, what a performance. That was incredible. And I feel like that's the way it's been in Russell Wilson's career. I might be off here, uh, but I feel like that's the way it's been. And by the way, he might be like top 10 in jersey sales. He might be top five. I, I, he's that big of a star in the league now. Yeah. Um, but I, I just don't, like even Aaron Rodgers, right? He says stuff sometimes. He's got a flair about the way he flicks the ball, you know, and it's a so, rifle arm. So it's just a different there's a lot of those guys now in the NFL that have almost a little bit more flair and personality, I think, that helps the jersey set. So check this out. October 14, 2014, Sports Illustrated released an article. Russell Wilson had the NFL's best-selling jersey for okay. the previous season, um, according to the Players Union. What that year released was this? That. Uh, the article came out in 2014 of October, so I assume... It was probably the the previous season then. So that would have been a Super Bowl year. Yeah, which makes or, sense. Obviously, well, that makes sense. Yeah. So you got to win big. You do. And and we're talking about those prime time games. And if you want that bump, he's got to perform well in yeah. that time frame. You know what I mean? And, and get this: the the leader before that, Johnny Menzel. Yes, he. Well, and that's the different angle. He's not yeah. good, but he's polarizing. Correct. You know, so I want to be a bad boy. I want to wear Johnny Menzel's <laughs> jersey. You know, <laughs> I mean, he's got a little of that. He right? does. He does. And, yeah. and listen, Tom Brady's. The GOAT. Everybody wants to own a Tom Brady jersey. He's not flashy, but he's the GOAT. And you had a chance now to get a Patriots jersey and a Bucks jersey. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So I, I just think it takes on a little different flair, and I wonder. But the primetime games, well, how many did you end up saying I was doing TV? I said two. I, I got three. Said, okay, fair enough. I have three. I'm, I'm optimistic here. It's not going to be over three. Probably not, but what I'll I'm take cu- three. Brent, what I'm curious is how many was like the most Jags have ever had in history, and when do you think we'll get more than that? Uh, I got to go look it up, but they've had they have had seasons, I believe, where they've had three, and they've I also believe. gone to an AFC Championship game and what had one the next year. So Did who knows what's going to maybe two? I don't know. Two. Okay, but still, well, actually, you know, you might be right. Maybe it was just the one because we we're all ticked off about that. I remember. Yeah, I think it was one. Yeah, I think so too. Like, why didn't they? But it's that Patriots game. Why wasn't that back in prime time? You yeah, know? yeah. Um, that's interesting. All right, hey, South Beach Gary brought this up, and we're going to get to. Uh, we're going to go down to the stadium, by the way, in, in just a couple moments and uh, get the feel for down there. But and, the, and by the way, Brent, to answer your question quick, I think with they had two the um, in 2018, but one of them got flexed out, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's what happened. To answer okay. the question, just okay. so you know. Okay. Um, hey, we'll get into what South Beach Gary's question about the facilities and stuff in just a moment because there was that tweet about Urban Meyer. But let's do this first. Let's go down to the stadium. And uh, we get a chance to catch up with our buddy Chad Johnson, who's uh, in, got a bunch of different titles. But there's nobody I can imagine that's feeling the buzz of what's happening in the city today uh, and really the last few weeks. Like Chad Johnson and his staff, from a ticketing standpoint, merchandising standpoint, sponsorship standpoint. And keep in mind, this isn't even like the time where I think the the team goes all in on renewals and everything else. Um, but he can shed some light on that. Chad, how you doing, man? Happy New Year. Hey, Brian, doing great. Austin, how you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having man. me. Hey, no problem. Thanks for joining us too, especially because I know nothing is official down there. But um, well, we all see what's going on. Tell us how much the phones have been ringing in the last couple of days, the last couple of weeks. Well, we, you know, we've seen like three main points where we've seen some increased energy and excitement and inbound activity. You know, when we secured the number one pick, there was a big pickup. And then when we announced some of the candidates we were talking to for coach and general manager, we saw a second pickup. Today is that third. I will say today is, is as strong as any of those. Um, it, it, there's a lot of buzz, a lot of energy. And we've been taking season ticket deposits at a rate that I just I haven't seen before. So it's been, it's been awesome. 
What wow. can you kind of? Uh, I don't even know what that means. I know you guys see the numbers, but I mean, are we talking five times the number, two times the number, ten times the number? What what kind of like what does that mean? Yeah, so I first, guess to everybody else. First, let me give you a little scope of the volume, and then make sure you understand the timing and process of it too. So, currently, we have seen five times the volume of deposits that we have seen on this date over the last number of years. Wow! So the volume is five x. 25% of that has happened in the last 24 hours. Wow. So if that gives you a, a, a scope of what's taken place over the last 24 hours. And, and where we sit, we typically go out with our season ticket renewals at the end of February and give our season ticket holders a chance to renew their seats, relocate and move. And then after that process that ends in March, we then open it up for new season ticket sales. So what's happening now is people are placing a deposit to be first in line for when we open that up at the end of March to select their seats. And, uh, and it's just been, it's been the most exciting we've seen in years. Wow. That's unbelievable. Austin, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, th- that's fantastic. I guess my question to you is obviously when the draft happens and hopefully, you know, they, they take Trevor Lawrence, we'll see. But I mean, how do you sustain that type of momentum? I mean, is it through um, advertising? Is it just through word of mouth? Like, I mean, do you see this, like, I guess, you know, spiraling down anymore? Or does it keep on constantly going up and up and up and up? No, at the NFL, there's such great scheduling, right? So you, you have the draft, you're right. But then comes schedule release and when your opponents are being played. So you have another pickup. And they, they do such a great job with all these special moments. Um, I mentioned we had these three kind of peaks of excitement. But they, they kept going throughout each peak. So as each one of those comes on board, as people can see who that first draft pick is in person for the first time, there'll be a pickup, right? Whether that's a practice, whether that's an event. So each one of those moments we prepare for and be ready for to capitalize on that. Chad Johnson with us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. He is the Jaguars' chief content officer. Wears a lot of hats down there, but I just can't help it. I said this at the top of the show. I feel so good for the fans right now. I feel good for us, too, because we like when people are engaged. But I really feel good for the good people in that in that stadium, in that Jags headquarters, and folks like you who have had to travail some tough times, some challenging times, including a pandemic last year and 15-game losing streak as well. Uh, this must be so much fun. I, I want you to... I don't know if you can do this, but can you give us a little bit of insight at when things changed? There was an eight-day stretch where the Jets beat the Rams, and obviously you guys continued to lose. And all of a sudden, there became this, whoa, the Jags might get the top pick. Whoa, that might mean Trevor Lawrence. And then six days later, you guys had locked it up. What was that time frame like internally while you're kind of losing games, but the bigger picture said, well, the kind of numbers you're talking about today? Yeah, you know, when we were going through that losing streak, our focus was just staying connected with our fans, and we were having a lot of challenging conversations with them, as you could imagine, right? We were outbound calling and checking in, and, and they were real tough conversations. But you mentioned that date the Jets won their first game. Those conversations changed. We no longer were, were fielding complaints and, and things like that. We were starting to talk about excitement and energy. So it was a, it was a switch, that has changed. And now what we're doing is hearing from season ticket holders that maybe took this past year off because of COVID calling just to make sure their seats are still there. And, you know, hearing them call us with excitement is what's so rewarding for our staff because our, our sales and service staff, you're right. They stuck it through COVID. They had a challenging environment to get the building ready. 
They've been here working hard, and it's great to see them get rewarded with all these positive conversations. Well, That's pretty cool. And, Chad, you mentioned it. Obviously, you know, with COVID-19, we don't know the future, what the future purveys. I mean, is there, like, a cap? I mean, are you guys just kind of all systems go right now, expecting it's going to be a full season um, in terms of capacity, or do you have to kind of check yourselves a little bit to say, all right, we got to make sure that all the protocols get put into place and it's going to be good to go? Like, where are you guys at right now with COVID-19? Yeah, so Austin, we, we, we learned what we needed to do to get the building ready. Mm-hmm. We also learned last year how to press reset, right? Because we were already out with renewals and selling a full stadium and then had to press reset and come back to a reduced capacity. So now we know and have some learnings from that process. So we're moving forward with the assumption of full stadium, awesome. with the assumption of a full schedule, and selling the inventory that way, knowing it's very easy for us to pivot back if we have to because we have the experience. So um, with the excitement right now, you're right, it's going to be great to be able to fill TIA Bank Field again um, with full capacity, and, and the team's excited to keep working at it. Yeah, and Austin, the losing of last year and the disappointment, and we had Chad on a couple of times, mm-hmm. is the job that the, the Jaguar staff did to pivot on the pandemic. They did an admirable job, and others around the league and college football and, and the like were watching what the Jaguars did and learned from it uh, as well. Uh, one final thing, just for the folks listening out there so they know. You just mentioned season ticket deposits are going in right now. So if you call, you can put a deposit down. And you're still on track for the renewal process to start in late February. Do I have that right? Yeah, we'll be looking for a late February renewal launch. Um, We'll start seeding those deposits in the tail end of March. You can go right online and do it. You can go to jaguars.com slash tickets and place your deposit right online without even having to talk with anybody. Or call our sales hotline, 633-2000 and our sales reps can help talk you through the experience and what you need to do. So we're, we're seeing it happen both ways. The phones are ringing off the hook, but the inbound volume online is so strong, too. Chad Johnson, thanks for the time. Jaguars Chief Content Officer, uh, make sure Urban signs that contract. Go ahead. Come on. Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Yeah, we're, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. <laughs> They want to put him in too tough a spot there. I just yeah, right, come on, man. What are you talking about? Guy's <laughs> got a job that he can't be worried about contracts right now. Hey, I, I want I want to make this clear too. I, I know sometimes, listen, sometimes uh, in the course of my career and other things, there's like these season ticket pushes, and and we partner up on the TV side with the Jags. But I want to make this crystal clear. I reached out to the Jags and Chad Johnson today. To, I wanted to see it. I wanted to feel. I wanted to see what the buzz was like down there. Mm. And I had heard what he and what he said there, Austin, was really interesting. Five times the amount of deposits than this time last year, coming off a 15-loss season, and 25% of that, I think, is what he said, all in the last 24 hours. Yeah. So the urban bump is even bigger than I thought it would be. I thought a lot of that was predetermined with the Trevor stuff, but now the urban bump is a quarter of that five times. That's impressive. That's a, that's a big deal for them inside. And, and again... We're all buzzing in the city about it. Like, we can feel that here on our show. We feel that on social media. And I think the Jags are feeling that, too. And I think that's a, a pretty cool thing. I think Steven's hanging on the line. Let's get him in. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. What's up, Steven? Hey, not much. Uh, I've got a question that uh, has been rattling around in my brain. Uh, the rumors with Urban Meyer, he's been finding his own staff. Does, uh, do you think that means most of our coordinators right out the door? And maybe do you have any ideas of maybe who his staff would be? Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it, man. Uh, I, for, I think we can answer 
or at least I feel like I have a better idea of answering the first part of the question. Same here. If you remember, again, I go back to Shad's words. So uh, this is what we have to reference. And this was just, what, 10, 11 days ago. And he said, I think we have some good coaches on this staff. Uh, he, he, And by the way, it's not like he said, I think Doug Marone's a bad coach. He thought that the next guy that comes in here, I think, could keep some of these guys on the staff. What I have long said, and I don't know who that is. I, my view on this is I don't think there's such a thing in the NFL as a bad coach. I think it doesn't work out. Some are better than others, no doubt. But I think we purvey, pur, portray them as bad coaches because it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. I don't think Todd Wash is a bad coach. I understand people around here don't want him back, but I don't think he's a bad coach. Like, I, I just don't believe that. I don't think you get to this level by being bad. Uh, but at the same time, I do think there are some brighter stars. And one of those guys, and we've said this countless times, I think you agree, is Keenan McCardell. Mm-hmm. I think what he has done with that young receiving core, I think keeping some of the continuity there could be very important. I think people have asked me the question, will they keep Jay Gruden? I don't sense that. I don't know that, but I don't sense that. Uh, although, I wouldn't be mad at that. You know, so I don't know what the other ties are to Urban, who could stay, who might go, but I'm really looking at what they do with Keenan McCardell. Uh, and keep in mind, it might be Urban Meyer and his staff says, yeah, we want to keep Keenan McCardell, but McCardell might have some, you know, connections in the coaching ranks that end up on a different team, and he says, you know what, I think this might be a better fit over here. So yeah. it works two ways, doesn't it, Austin? No, w- w- without a doubt. I mean, I think. McCardell right now is, is a very big name um, in coaching with what he's been able to do, um, you know, with his position group of the wide receiver posi- position. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was to go someplace else. Now, if you're Urban Meyer and you come in here to a new situation, like we've seen this t- happen time and time again in the NFL. And any time that you bring in a, a new guy, a guy that's got a lot of hype around him, that's being brought in to essentially um, start anew, start from scratch and build a foundation, usually that foundation is made with his his guys, his coaches, and not the coaches of the, of the prior regime. So I don't see a lot of guys retaining their jobs um from the coaching standpoint that we saw last year. That's just, that's kind of the nature of the beast. Um, that's what happens. Now, I think if you are Urban Meyer, though, you have to keep in mind that it is beneficial, in my opinion, to keep at least one or two guys, um, on that staff that were at the old regime. Because we talk about bridge players all the time. When you're trying to build this new team and bring these young guys in, you want those bridge players that know what it means to be a Jacksonville Jaguar. Well, I want those bridge coaches as well. I want coaches who have been here, um, who knows, you know, the, the traditions of, well, a lot of bad traditions. It seems like the past decade, but who knows what it means to be a Jaguar, who knows what it means to live in the city. Like that can make a difference. And I think that if you completely clean house and you don't keep at least one guy, um, you do yourself a disservice. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I, I think you, you're. I don't mind that, although I will say I've been on record saying a complete flush out of that building might not be the worst thing. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, but you can still do that with keeping a guy or two or whatever. You know, when we say a comp- I would say 90% of the folks in the football realm will be gone uh, at yeah. the very least. And here's the other thing, and I, Jason well, Fitz brings and, this up. And real quick, I just want to clarify. Like, I'm not saying you keep a coordinator. I'm, not, like, I'm just saying a position coach or, or somebody like an, an assistant, whatever the case may be, but somebody in capacity that has been here last year and has been in the system for a while. So that's yeah, all I'm saying. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I also think what Jason Fitz tells us sometimes, and I think he's right on this, will Urban Meyer lean on someone from Clemson that knows Trevor Lawrence well? 
some familiarity there. I don't think it's I, – I, he's Jason, who joins us on Tuesdays from ESPN Radio, Spain and Fitz, 7 o'clock. I, I think uh, I think he's he's adamant about that. I'm not sure I'm adamant about it, but I like the idea of it. You know, I don't think you force that, but I think if you have the ability to do that, I kind of like it. Although there's something about Trevor Lawrence that says this guy's so mature, he's played so much football, like I don't know if he needs that, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know if he needs somebody to kind of bring him along. If it was – 21-year-old guy who'd played a year and 12, whatever it might be, maybe I'd feel differently. But Fitz, to to his credit, says, hey, like Joe Brady or somebody else should have been in Cincinnati all this past year with Burrow. I I get the connection. I think it's an interesting view. I just don't know if it will happen. I think Urban Meyer will bring so many of his own guys. Uh, We'll see where it lands. All right, we're not done talking about Urban Meyer. Hey, Mac Jones going to the NFL. I don't think there's any surprise there. Jacksonville guy, national champion from Alabama. What's your concerns about Urban? I feel like we're very positive right now. There's a lot of excitement. I understand that. And um, Outside of uh, being a Debbie Downer about primetime games, <laughs> I, I don't want to really bring that down. But I do think it's legitimate to have concerns about a guy who hasn't coached in a couple years, a guy who had health issues, and a guy who won big in the college game, but the NFL game is different. So where do you stand on those, and how much are legitimate? Let's get to it. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Two years in. Two-year anniversary. By the way, it's my dad's birthday, too, so happy birthday nice. to my dad. So I always remember the two-year anniversary, as long as I remember my dad's birthday. Got that going for me. But it is the <laughs> Urban Meyer Show here on a Thursday on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. How many push-ups did you do in three minutes? Did you try the challenge? Austin Lane. I don't need lactic acid build up when I'm on fight camp. Brent, you kidding me? Take my word for it. I've been more than you. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. A lot of folks around the league looking at this hire and saying, all right, we'll see you in two or three years when Urban exits stage left. There's a lot of that going on around the league right now. I'm writing them all down. We got our little uh, old takes exposed. My little... uh, personal version that I've got here written in my book here because a lot of folks think that this is not going to work. Urban Meyer is going to get a chance soon to prove him wrong. That is Mike Garofalo from NFL Network and that's interesting and that was I told you earlier in the show I've talked to some folks that kind of said similar things and I kind of wonder I'm like all right does the NFL fraternity just not welcome the college guy and I think there's something to that. Let's get into it in a moment. I also, by the way, South Beach, Gary, I hope you're still listening, and we will get to your facility thing. I want to get into that, um, but sorry, I've been getting backed up, and Kay's on the line right now, going out to the west side. Welcome in, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN. Hi, 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 hi. Good afternoon to both of you, and happy birthday to your dad, man. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, man. So I, I, I watched uh, an hour ago this old video on YouTube with Urban Meyer on the Big Ten Network, uh, talking about breaking down on the board uh, the the four defenses and and which ones he favored, and he went to cover one, cover two, cover three, cover four. He said cover one is which is what Tawash pr- pretty much runs. He said cover one is great against the run, but it's very risky against the pass. But if you have great corners, that it can be successful, but it's still a risk. So he gave it a plus. And in a question mark, uh, based on based on 
its success. Cover two and cover three are the ones that he favored. They both had a minus in terms of run and one in terms of pass, but they were his two favorites. And cover four was really good with him, but he still gave it a question mark in terms of risk because he said the two safeties, he called them read safeties, and you you can still put eight in the box in terms of how, how they will read and react towards a run, but if they do read and it's a play action and, and they end up jumping into the box, then you're beat over the top. So he said his two favorite, the, 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 the two uh, defenses that, that he gave great good grades to was cover two and cover three. So that that's why I said I'm not, I'm not sure if he would hire Todd Wash because Todd Wash is more of a cover one type of defensive coordinator and he favors cover two and cover three. He said cover four, you need great corners. Yeah. as well with cover four and cover one. So he, he gave two really good grades and reviews on cover two and cover three. Okay, okay. awesome stuff, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks that was for the awesome, Thanks for listening to the show. And, and by the way, I, I lost you at hello. I mean, I, I don't – Austin, this is your pay grade, man. I, I mean, mean, what did all that up, do? Hey, does that dude want to do a podcast with me? Because yeah. I'd love to talk some more just defensive schemes and things like that. Let me just ask you one thing. I, yeah. Am I wrong? I thought, I thought kind of the Gus Bradley, Todd Wash kind of scheme was cover three. Um, yeah, it, it, there is cover three. So basically what we're talking about, Brent, is it was cover three, but there's also man principles, right? And when we okay. talk man principles, we're talking more cover one. That, that's basically what it means. What, what cover one means is that you have a safety net of one person. Let's just call it like that. So it, it's a lot of man. Um, in terms of cover one defenses... I agree with Urban Meyer in terms of you got to have those special guys. Now, if you had Jalen Ramsey, right, um, if you had A.J. Boye, I would be all for cover one. But I'll be honest with you right now, I'm, I'm, I'm not completely sold on C.J. Henderson quite yet. You know, uh, Trey Herndon is, is adequate, obviously. But in terms of how comfortable do you feel of putting these guys in man coverage for the whole game, I think he would not be confident. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I, I agree with Urban Meyer there in his philosophy to cover one. Like you just don't have that personnel right now. And we've talked about this before on the offensive side a little bit. Right. Um, I think in terms of, you know, I think Tim Tebow kind of echoed my sentiments as well. Where, t- uh, where uh, Urban Meyer can adapt. Right. He can see what he has in terms of personnel and he can adapt to that um, depending on who he has at his disposal. And I think if you look at who he has at his disposal, like, listen, cover four. That's that's quarters coverage, okay? That's that's more of the safe play. Um, every NFL team's gonna run that when you know it's third and long things like that. So like every team's got the cover four in the arsenal. But if you're talking about what coverage you're gonna specialize in, whether it's a cover two or cover three, I think what they have right now. I lean more towards the cover three, cover four because, and you know how I feel about it. That's what a 3-4 defense would run. Yeah. Okay? And I think Urban Meyer is going to realize that. I think he's going to see Josh Allen. I think he's going to see Caleb on chase on. I think he's going to see some guys like in Devon Hamilton who has played 3-4 uh, principles before at Ohio State a little bit and has played 4-3 as well. But I think you're going to see a guy who's going to adapt that defense. And whoever the coordinator is going to be, time will tell. But he's going to bring in a guy that's a little more um, non-traditional, I think, and how this defense is going to be ran. Yeah, and Kay, by the way, I love the question. And I want to get back to I think he was kind of referencing Todd Wash. Yeah. I, listen, I don't know if I'm hearing too much noise on the outside, which I probably am, but this is even years and years. I can't imagine Todd Wash is going to be around 
going forward. I, I just don't think so. You get, by the way, it's a very hard thing to do from an optics standpoint. See, it was easier to keep Todd Wash around when Gus Bradley got fired yeah. because their defense was actually on the rise. And statistically, their defense, even in 16, did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Well, statistically, it was one of the worst in NFL history last year. And I understand there's plenty of excuses around. Uh, again, I, I believe Todd Washington is a much better coach than people give him credit for. He has been like <laughs> he has been like the pinata <laughs> for the fan base, you know. Sure. Um, and, and a lot of that unfairly. I, I really like Todd too. So I mean, I guess maybe that that weighs into it. Um, but I just don't think he's keeping him. Okay, I, I think it's going to be a from a from a coordinator standpoint. I think this will be a reshuffle. I think it's going to be Urban's guys. And like we said a little earlier, I do think it's going to be 90% new coaches anyway. Uh, and maybe even all of them. Maybe all of them. But I thought it was a great question, Kay. I love the, the inside football talking defense about Urban Meyer. And I think that's kind of the fun of Meyer. We've seen him on Fox. We've seen him on ESPN over the years. Yeah. We obviously have 30 years of coaching in college if they mic them up. And he did a lot of that, by the way, when he was at Ohio State in Florida with ESPN. And so you can kind of get what he's all about through some of those old videos and stuff, uh, well, which is kind of fun. And listen, and I guess I didn't really truthfully answer Kay's question of, like, what do I think they're going to do? What is Urban Meyer going to do? I think with what I see from this defense right now and the personnel and the ability to adapt being Urban Meyer, I think Urban Meyer, if I was going to venture a guess, I think he runs the cover three off the get-go. I feel like that's the safest choice from a 3-4 defense. It allows your linebackers to blitz a little more. Miles Jack, obviously, is a freak in nature when it comes to athleticism. So I'd be able to look out for uh, probably a cover three zone. Hey, how much concern do you have of the red flags that Urban comes with? One, any coach, doesn't matter how celebrated they are, going from college to the NFL, is a red flag because it doesn't always work. And history tells us that. I think there's a little bit more evidence that it could work in modern history. I think people go back way too far, even 15, 20 years to me. The game has changed. The guy has changed. The player has changed. Everything's changed, uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But that, the health concerns, which obviously were real enough to dis- turn down some other jobs offered over the years, and just the staying power. Uh, of Meyer, I guess there's a little bit of folks in, in even Ohio State, but definitely Florida, just didn't trust, like, is he always going to be there? And so how much concern in all of that comes with the hire that also comes with a bunch of excitement? There, there has to be some concern. And to me, the concern more prominently stems from, and listen, I understand he, he has his past, right? Um, you know, there there's going to be controversy that can follow him wherever he goes, um, that is what it is, right? Like, I mean, there's there's no changing what happened. What happened, happened. He's got an opportunity now in the NFL. Uh, so be it. With that being said, my concern is the fact of the adversity. It's the losing. Because this guy has been, once again, he's been a front runner. it seems like, his entire coaching career. And all he knows is winning. And while I'm celebrating Trevor Lawrence and, and I'm intrigued and I'm excited for the season to start like tomorrow already, um, I'm also a realist. And there's a lot to work on this team before you can even make them a divisional contender, let's just say. Right? There's a lot of work that has to be done. So I'm not saying like expectations next year. Like I don't see them going to the playoffs quite yet. Now I'm going to hamper expectations. We'll see how the preseason goes, all that stuff. But right now where I sit... I don't think they're playoff bound quite yet. And if they're not playoff bound quite yet, that means you're going to take some else. And that's my concern to me is how is Urban Meyer going to have, you know, handle these else? And I'm not talking about maybe one or two, but I'm talking maybe back to back to back. 
because he's never done that before, really. So yeah. how is he going to handle that part of it? Yeah, and that's fair. I think those are fair questions. I do think we get a little carried away with, oh, my God, he lost the game and almost lost his mind in college. Well, it's a little different in the NFL. And we're giving him so much credit for his offenses adapting and his coaching style adapting. Well, he's now 57 years old. What did he learn from those experiences? Has he adapted? You know, how he left Florida was totally different than how he left Ohio State, in my estimation. Mm-hmm. Florida lost for the next five, six years, and they had plenty of problems to clean up. Ohio State doesn't have that. They just keep winning. They rolled right into it. Sure, credit Ryan Day, but he didn't leave it a mess, is my point. Did he learn from Florida? Well, so what else has he learned to take with him? I think we got to give him at least the opportunity for that. No, we do, but let's keep in mind, Brent, like we're very critical of these players, right? They're, this is the youngest team in the NFL, but the past decade of losses – that weight is on their shoulders as well. True. Well, Urban Meyer's coming into a situation right now where the past decade of losing is probably going to be on his shoulders as well. Yeah, How does point. he handle that? That's a fair point. Very fair point. Um, I don't think fans are going to hit the total reset button. <laughs> can't. No. Uh, <laughs> the hey, past Ur- is prologue. Urban Meyer's walking around the facility right now at Jags headquarters. What's he saying to himself? Let's hopefully he doesn't see that facility Probably, and turn uh, around. Let's be honest. He's not saying anything, Brett, because he's got his headphones in right now listening to our show. Good point. Yeah. Uh, he's focused. What does he need to make this work? What did that tweet earlier in the day about facilities mean? Let's go there. South Beach Gary asked it. Sorry, South Beach Gary, about an hour ago. We're getting <laughs> to it right now on ESPN 690. Larry Johnson, one of the best defensive line coaches in college football history, the D-line coach at Ohio State, he teaches the first thing is the stance. And the stance is, the most important thing, Brady, about his stance is the ability to get out of a stance. So, for example, you'll see different guys in different stances. It doesn't matter. An athlete has to get out of his stance. Seconds get off. Inside hand down. As the ball moves, it's a four-step sprint, me against the offensive tackle. So as I'm down here, ball moves, set go one. Two, three, four. On the fourth step, what they teach at Ohio State, next is all off the reaction of the offensive tackle. Okay, first thing, if I beat the offensive tackle, so I beat him in a race, I'm by him. Now it's right arm, right leg, and I'm going to throw my hip in a 90-degree angle to the drop point of the quarterback. Remember, nothing else matters other than the launch point of the quarterback. That is Urban Meyer in the Fox Studios, or really outside, talking ball, man. I'll tell you what, I think Urban's very good on TV. I, I thought he was very good. And I don't know if that translates. You know, we kind of said this about Lewis Riddick, right? Is is he a good communicator because he communicates on TV? So I think you gotta get you got to get out of that. But from a coaching standpoint, I can see why Urban's a good coach because he can, layman's terms it, even to the viewer, very well. And sometimes that's a difficult thing to do when you know so much about the game. Because yeah. you're not trying to teach it to a player when you're on TV. You're trying to showcase it to, you know, me or my wife or my kids and explain it to them so they can understand it. And he's very good at it. All right, hey, Urban Meyer uh, is walking around the facility right now at, at Jags headquarters. Uh, hopefully going to sign soon. Hopefully he hasn't left the facility because he doesn't like them very much uh, in terms of the facilities. <laughs> uh, I can't get over the fact, and we talked about this last week. This got brought up. I told you I was having a conversation with someone. And I said, 
and, and, and we got talking, and it got brought up about facility for the Jags, and I was like, man, that does, why don't the Jags have that? A lot of NFL teams have that. Baltimore has a, has a castle. It actually looks like a castle. It's unbelievable. Minnesota just built one. Somebody said Cleveland has one. They all have them, and they're not right next to the stadium, by the way. They're usually on the outskirts, like some 10, 15, 20 minutes away. Yeah. Why don't the Jags have that here in St. John's County or, or at the fairgrounds or you, whatever the property is? And will they have that? I don't know if that's going to happen fast enough for Urban Meyer. But there was a tweet today that said, hey, he's working on the final details of his contract and also talking about facility upgrades and other things. What would Urban Meyer, do you think, be asking for? I know you never had a problem with the facility in Jacksonville. But keep in mind, he's coming from a college program like Ohio State and Florida where their facilities were, quite frankly, better than they are here in Jacksonville. Yeah, I think of what Urban Meyer could be asking for. Like, listen, I mean, I think the weight room's adequate, right? I think like the the personal or like the physical training stuff is is good. I think that if you look at what Jacksonville doesn't have right now compared to the other teams, it is that practice facility. Right now, they have an indoor facility and all that, but I'm saying a separate building, a separate entity where you have we conduct meetings, um, where you have practice, where you conduct training camp, something of that nature. So that's what I think Urban Meyer could be pushing for. And it's interesting because it shows that, listen, he's got long-term in mind here, right? Because there's no telling when they would put like the sho- shovels in ground and get this thing underway. But it's cool that at least he's thinking about the long term and that he's in it for the long haul. Yeah, and listen, I, this is how important some of these things are. We just talked about Lot J and what it could mean for downtown development, and I know we can debate and all that stuff. But remember when they were trying to build Daly's Place and the Flex Field? Remember then they built the Flex Field? I'm not sure you get a guy like Urban Meyer here, Austin, if he didn't build the Flex Field. I'm not sure Daly's Place matters, but if he didn't build the Flex Field. Yeah. Like, those guys want that stuff. Yeah. You know, and so I think this could be a great thing in terms of facility upgrades and builds. I don't know how quick you can do that. I still believe the more I think about it, the Jags do need one of those standalone facilities, maybe off campus, if you will, that that is their headquarters. And will that happen sooner than later? I have no idea. I think the Jags and Chad Khan's vision is also about the stadium and also about the shipyards now and, and still downtown development. But it'll be very interesting to see what he needs, and if he's hearing the right things. And I don't think he would have taken the job if he wasn't hearing the right things. So I think you're going to continue to see some more upgrades and changes to that facility um, and, and what Urban Meyer needs. And I think watching that unfold will be fascinating. I don't think it's a terrible facility, but I do think he probably says, you use the word adequate. That won't be good enough for Urban Meyer. Mm. You know? Yeah. He says, if we're going to win, we need this, and we need the best of this. So I think it's something to keep an eye on when it comes to uh, facilities now as they stand and how quick you can upgrade them, but also maybe a standalone facility somewhere either downtown or somewhere else, maybe 15, 20 minutes away. Uh, by the way, you can put it right here in St. John's County, so I don't have to go very far to practice. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, all right. Hey, when we come back, we're going to go to Columbus, Ohio. Guy that knows Urban Meyer pretty well, former Ohio State Buckeye. It's next in the 5 o'clock hour on ESPN 690.